want to welcome everybody to another episode of The Real World. Uh, today, uh, we're going to discuss a number of different topics that have kind of happened within the last week. Uh, got my favorite guest, Shannon, back. Um, this time, we're not going to talk politics or something that's <laughs> completely boring, even though we both love it, just to kind of give her uh, a range of topics we could discuss. It'll slip in. You know, it always does. <laughs> a little bit. I won't lie. How you doing today? Doing good, brother. Hello, real world. So uh, let's start this by talking Tiger Woods. Um, he was arrested for DUI, uh, I want to say, about a week ago. Uh, as soon as he was arrested, obviously it was a bunch of like think pieces by people who believe that they're really smart. Oh, Tigers hit the dumps, how bad this is. And then he came out and blew a 0.0. What's up with that? I mean, you know, the news loves celebrating the downfall of a black, black athlete. Just love it. It's exciting. Um, you know, it's always going to be guilty before proven innocent. I was reading this article this morning, and it was talking about how Tiger should have known his rights as a citizen of Florida, and by him cooperating that he did more harm to himself than if he had just, you know, said, take me to the police station, y'all gonna arrest me anyway. But by him, like, complying, he did himself in because he admitted that he was on Vicodin, you know, admitted that, you know, he, he was willing to take a breathalyzer test twice, willing to take a urine test, which you don't even need to do. They have to have reasonable cause to think that you're underneath the influence. And he gave that up when he said he was on Vicodin. So it's funny you say that because I think I've read that same article with basically, I mean, anytime I've heard if you have a DUI situation, you're never supposed to blow. Like, just take the fact that they will, I mean, if you have a good lawyer and obviously Tiger Woods has mad money, you're supposed to just walk away and say, nope, won't cooperate. They'll suspend your license until like the trial or whatever. Um, now, it's funny that we all sit back and we say these things where we're like, hey, so if he cooperated with the police, that's a problem. Um, if he comes out and says himself, like, I was not drinking alcohol and, you know, the stats back him up on that. And then he's like, oh, I had a controlled substance. What happens when it comes out that he has a prescription for that? And while certainly you shouldn't drive under the influence, um, does all of this go away when he actually has a prescription for what he took? No, because he was on the side of the highway, like on the side of the road asleep with his blinker on <laughs> and behind the wheel. So he still did break the law. I mean, I know he wasn't but driving it, technically, but... Yeah, but doesn't it become like more of a traffic issue and not necessarily the criminal part? Like, that's where I'm going. And I mean, I know both of us aren't lawyers, but we read enough that we think that, you know, we're law and order. <laughs> doink, doink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I feel bad for Tiger because if this had just been a you or any other unknown figure... In the same situation, this obviously wouldn't be a lead story uh, on the evening news. Um, but this is the price to pay when you're a celebrity, I suppose. Of course, there's going to be some prescription. I'm sure he probably just had shoulder surgery or knee surgery, which will make it completely 
normal why he would have Vicodin. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was under the influence, decided to get into his car, and then fell asleep with the car on. So that's... So I'm going to play that, devil's it's not, it's not a criminal thing, yes. So but here's like, where I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, my backstory is I had surgery before, and I want to say they gave me oxy, like... So you're supposed to pop a pill every eight hours for pain. Um, I pretty much followed that schedule. Three days into it, I'd never felt like spaced out high, like nothing. And that third day, all of a sudden I took the pill, let's say an hour and a half, two hours later, I'm looking at my ceiling in my basement like, yo, why is it spinning? Like, why do I see stars on the ceiling? Like, what in the entire fuck is going on? Now, previously, just because I didn't feel any of the effects of anything, you couldn't have told me I couldn't handle a vehicle or I couldn't drive or that my judgment was impaired. So is it possible that like maybe that was his case where, you know, he went out, thought he was fine, and then all of a sudden he wasn't? Like, we can't always assume that somebody went out with the intent to be stupid. Like, it could have just happened with, you know how alcohol hits you. You have one too many, and then all of a sudden you're done. Like comes out of nowhere. Which is why you then shouldn't get behind the wheel. Oh, no. He's, I mean, truthfully speaking, he's way too rich. You, you can call an Uber black car. I'm pretty sure they could set up a driver. He yeah, I'm sure you have security. Anymore. Like Right. He's Tiger Woods. You should know better. But, you know, my problem with this whole situation was that dash cam footage came out like 24 hours later. I was like, since when is this normal now? We just give it up to the media. Here's, here's all your privacy. Bam. Yo, that's exactly where I wanted to go. Why do you think that happened? So is that a Freedom of Information Act request, or is it just the police were like, eh, we'll just turn this over? I'm not even sure. I've never seen that before. I mean, in the day of Facebook video, I've seen plenty of those horrific things. But uh, the dash cam video coming out, and but well, it felt like it came out within 48 hours. Yo, it did. Like, the, the police were very much justified, like, hey, he was slurring his speech, he was doing all of this. I ain't even yeah. watched the video, mostly because, oh. from my understanding, like, why do we have video evidence of this, and why do we need it? You should watch the video, because he looks twisted. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm going to say that again, like, It's also 5 o'clock in the morning. Right. Too, by the way. Right. So, uh, I look at it, and I'm thinking, it goes right back to something you said at the beginning of all this. Um... Why is the media okay with tearing down another black man? And I hate to, to take it to a point of think that it's a race thing, but that doesn't make any damn sense. Like, you don't, I mean, he's not a public figure in the sense where, like, he's the president or some elected member of, like, elected official, any of that. He's a golfer. Why are we making a big deal about something that a golfer did? He's a golfer with a history of scandal, though. He's had a history of some scandals. If this was Justin Bieber, it would be the same exact level. We probably would have seen the dash can on Justin Bieber, too. Like, this is now me saying, like, it's not always going to be a black thing. This is just a celebrity teardown moment. But do you think it was a little weird in the sense where, um, on the police report... I mean, as well. Yeah, I agree. Do you think it's a little weird because on the, the uh, police report... Um, under ethnicity, they had black, but he's never considered himself black. Like he was Cablasian. <laughs> I 
depending on how they pronounce it. And that's kind of what he's been hanging his hat on for years. I mean, I think in America, you either white or you brown. There's not like distinctions between you look like a tomorrow baby because you're all blended. If you part black, you black. Yeah. There is no no half in between. You might be light skinned and like you. Thin, yeah. Like well, I'm gonna go light like a Steph Curry. <laughs> light eyes and you know, people they're they're like, oh, okay. Pa- pass. Don't don't instantly think that you're a black man. But if you've got pigment in your skin, a white or a cop is just gonna say you black. So Here's a question I got about that. Um, do you think this is a situation where if, let's say, Tiger was more inclusive in terms of how he dealt with his fame at the time about being black, that the black community would have kind of surrounded him differently, sort of like what happened with OJ? Like, OJ went down. Every black person was like, nah, he didn't kill her. OJ's the juice. Tiger goes down. Uh, specifically because, you know, he's got the Cablasian thing. He tends to, di- <laughs> like, only date white women. Black people are like, mm, nah, you wasn't rocking with us, so we not really trying to protect you. Sorry that happened, but we not re- really here for that. Because I've heard no outlash from, like, the black Twitters or any of, like, the social commentary people that normally would speak on stuff like this. They all left that alone. You know, I think you you said it from the jump. When you alienate yourself from a community, you can't expect them to come to your support when you're in trouble. Yeah, but I mean, didn't I, OJ too? Like, he kind of had, you know, decided but, oh, to leave us alone. He, he did, but but OJ was like beloved the juice for a long time, even with Nicole. True. Long time. Even if he like his film career, I used to love OJ like little naked. <laughs> yeah, OJ was the man. Before. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's pivot to something else. Um, LeBron James had his house in LA vandalized. Uh, racial slurs were kind of written all over it. I don't know exactly what the language was. Um, but what it's I thought was crazy. Okay. <laughs> on the front door, on the gate. So. so he came out and basically said that, you know, regardless of how rich you are, how famous you are, how high your profile in America, you're still looked at as a black man. Um, thoughts? True. <laughs> now, here's where I want to go with that. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a um, sports writer. It's like this fat dude that just talks a lot. Uh, his name is Jason Whitlock. Now, he basically said... And here's where I want you to take that racism can't affect you if you're wealthy. So because LeBron James is so wealthy, what happened to him shouldn't necessarily be looked at through a racist lens. And it's just the act of vandalism. I'm assuming this is a white man. No, he's black. Really? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. So so let me say right there how like that's a farsity. Growing up as a black American in America right now, you are told by your parents, (laughs) you were warned early, your life is going to have different challenges 
than that of our of your white counterpart. You guys could have the same exact household. You can grow up in the same exact household. Same opportunities. Your white counterpart will just have it easier. As a black woman, I get told I got it three times as hard. So just because you end up a celebrity does not negate the path and the struggles that it took you to get there. And all of the blatant and probably subversive racism that you had to deal with. And it starts off early, especially if you uh, are in a situation where you grow up in a diverse neighborhood with multiple different types of ethnicities. There are always those curious questions like, what's that food that you eat? I remember going over to my white friend's houses and being like, "Uh, that's dinner for you. (laughs) <laughs> so I was just about to ask that because you grew like, up in a you know like in a air, like a very uh, predominantly white area in Jersey. Um, obviously, that affects your view on stuff and how it shapes it. But like, this is something that you could easily speak to. Like, people still saw you as being like a black woman. Like, there's no getting around that. Like, I don't care how nice your parents' house is, how well you speak, what kind of cars you guys are driving you still had to come home to that every day where it's like, no, you're still black. Still, still black. I remember when I was in grammar school and we were, I was at my friend's house swimming. So, you know, the, the, the black girl hair got all like little tight Afro. And she was like, oh, your hair looks like pubic hair. And I was like, what? You lost your fucking mind. What, what, what grade was this? Um, this was probably like third Grade or something, she was like, "Oh wow, your hair is so thick." Like, and hey, first I, of all, I, I didn't take you, you yeah. know you got you come from money when you call elementary school grammar school. That ain't even yeah. no northern shit. Like, just so yeah. you guys know, Shannon has always had that. <laughs> like, that ain't going nowhere. But please continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you know, there's that learning curve that you have to have and get through. And then you realize that what your friends are learning at home, when you send your kids to school, they interact with these other children and you can't protect them from the ignorant questions that might happen. And it really starts with teachers too. You know, the way that your teacher talks to you, she does not talk to everybody in the class as if they are the same level with the same amount of respect you start to internalize that stuff very early. Your life is going to be, is always harder. It is why my first name is Shannon and not maybe something a little bit more creative or artistic that I couldn't find a nameplate on if I went to a touristy shop because it helped make my life a little bit easier when it came to comparing me to someone else on a resume. I've never seen my name anywhere. I, I wish I could get that. I'm sorry. Like, I'm kind of jealous. So there are no keychains that say Darrell. There are no, you know, like you said, all of these nameplates and shit. Like, I can't get a Coke with my name on it. Hey, it's, it's, you know I got my nameplate on all the, all the. Yeah, I'm a little jealous about that where I wish I could get that. Um, so. Uh, but, yeah, going back to LeBron and, you know, the that author that you were talking about, it's, you know. Every black person has to deal with being black in America, and it is a different life. It is, you know, when white people feel uncomfortable when they see four or five young black men on a street corner, or, you know, when uh, even now when you see 
you know, those two young ladies in Portland being just attacked out of nowhere because one was wearing hijab. Like, this is this is America right now, and it was America a million years ago. Now, LeBron comparing it to, like, an Emmett Tillman situation, a little, little exaggeration there. <laughs> so do you think that rhetoric hurts hurts the cause? Like, when we go that no, extreme for something? Absolutely not. It is just a point that this happens. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Every once in a while, someone decides to remind you that you are in some way beneath or below someone else. And they use that word to be derogatory. And I know this is going to probably segue to the next one. It but is. it's all about it's all about how um, you know you internalize it. I've had those things said to me before. I've had those things left in notes and hate letters, and it don't make you feel good. But it's a learning lesson, and it's a reminder all the time. Keeps you humble. So even before we like segue into something else, I think maybe my earliest experience with having somebody call me like the n-word uh which seems like ridiculous to say like why does something and you know first letter word but i think i was in middle school and i remember this girl uh funny enough this girl liked me and so we're talking to class about whatever and she was just like you know i feel like nothing ever bothers you I'm like nah why should it and she's like well you know like, what if I said that you're a nigger? Would that bother you? And, I, and like, she said this in class. Now, it's just between me and her. And I'm like, I'm going to keep it real. Um, <laughs> as a white person, I, again, this is sixth, seventh grade me sometime around that. Like, you probably shouldn't say that. Now, I know that you're saying this out of ignorance and not necessarily something that you believe. But based on, like, where we live, those thoughts are okay. Right? But if you think about it now, this ain't the 70s no more. Uh, who was it? Was it um, Chevy Chase can't come on TV and call Richard Pryor a nigga and it's okay? So as you've seen, like, you know, the world kind of run away from the word in that context, you got to be really cognizant to, you know, figure out what you're saying and why. And I get that a lot of it comes from your parents, but you got to make your own choices because at the end of the day, your parents aren't going to be the ones that suffer consequences. It'd be you. Again, I'm saying this as like a, a kid in like seventh grade. So Shorty was real like, oh, wow. Okay. Now, we never had that issue anymore. But that just goes to show like the mindset that people got. Like you do have to do on a, a certain amount of teaching people that some behavior isn't okay. Like if you just aren't around black people, you don't know that shit. It could be... Like, I don't know if you saw Master or None. Um, I just watched the whole season last week. Love it. So check this. The episode that was like uh, the, the online dating with my man and Tender, like whatever Tender clone they had. And he's at the girl's house. They're about to get it in. And she's like, hey, grab a condom out of that jar. The jar oh, yeah, was, was freaking the Aunt Jemima. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and he's like, yo... Like, he goes through with it and smashes the girl, which is crazy. But then you think when he's like, 
you know, I'm kind of offended by this. And she's like, what? He's like, do you have any black people to see this? And she's like, uh, no, never had a black person here. He's like, well, I'm the brownest person that's ever seen this, and I'm clearly offended. (laughs) (laughs) And now, while he certainly wasn't shit either, just because he didn't let his offense stop him from getting down with the get down, but I thought that was crazy that, you know, they were able to make that parallel with, oh, I think this is okay. Nah, ain't shit about that okay. Like, I'm actually shocked that we still sell Uncle Ben Rice and Aunt Jemima, like, anything. Like, the fact that they still got that going is actually kind of funny. Like, I'm shocked. My mom collects all those, like, Aunt Jemima figurines. So, like, I'm very, very used to them, like, everywhere. <laughs> really? But uh, two things. One, you were talking about before, like, comedians. And black comedians still use nigga, nigga, nigga all the time. Kevin Hart could say it's Dave Chappelle, and it'd be fine. But Louis C.K. says it used to say it in his shows all the time, and he kind of got away with it too. Really? So I'm not really familiar with his his comedy. Yeah, I don't really like it that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he too has uh, gotten some backlash for saying it, and it's it's the power that you give it. If we keep using it, the word the N-word in, in hip-hop, and we keep using it with each other between your, your companions. Or, I mean, right now, I feel as if some people use it as if it's a filler for, for space. Like, it's like. Like, nigga, like, and this nigga was doing, and you know what I'm saying? Nigga? And, like, say it multiple times yeah. in a sentence. Yeah, it's means Because you, you don't have power to it. And you can say it all the time. It's like if you've got that one white friend that grew up in the hood, He's allowed to say, so y'all all give him the pass, and it's okay. Except if he goes to some other hood and says it, probably get beat. So what if somebody else uses it? And I'm not just talking about a white person. Um, anybody who's listening to this has probably heard a Fat Joe verse. Uh, what's my man? Pitbull, um, Big Pun. All clearly like Hispanic rappers that say nigga a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, do we give them a pass because they're a minority? I think as a culture, we do. And I think it's really funny when you're in the car with your white friend and how they like kind of like get, say it all low underneath their breath because <laughs> you're in the car. <laughs> and you're like, it's okay. It's in the song. It's fine. You can say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I give them a free pass for that. Not as a grown up. Where it's just like, nah, you know what? You know better. But that even leads me to like our next little topic. Um, Bill Maher the other night said, basically, on his show, uh, I want to say it was um, Ben Sass was like, hey, you can come out here with us. You can work in the fields. And Bill Maher's response was like, fields? I don't work in the fields. I'm a house nigga. Which made me laugh because I think I've said that myself. Right. (laughs) So, like, I wasn't offended by it. And then, of course, you, you go on Twitter and you start seeing like all of the articles, I won't say articles, all of the tweets that are 140 characters or less basically blasting him. You got D. Ray McKesson jumping on like, oh, I think this guy should be fired. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute. Um, why the fuck does everything have to go to an extreme? Just because you do something stupid doesn't mean that you should 
completely be removed from the face of the earth? Like, what happened to the teaching moment of all stuff? I mean, 45 says something about political correctness is getting out of control. And I kind of was like, eh, well, you don't get to say that, but yeah, a little bit. And that's a I'm, big thing on the left. Like, that's kind of our fault. It is. Um, although I will say there have been some pretty egregious things done on the right side that would make the left so squirmish. Like, can we take down the Confederate flags? Can you, can you remove the old generals and slave master <laughs> monuments from the downtown city hall? But you know, first, first off, I love Bill Maher. Bill Maher is from my town. He went to my local high school, Pascock Hills. Always loved Bill Maher. Like, I feel like I've been watching him for decades, because we have. Politically Incorrect was my show back in the day. And even now, Real Time with Bill Maher, I will sit and watch three or four episodes in a row because I, I enjoy the intellectual conversation that he brings. And, you know, this week, especially with, with the, the Kathy Griffith thing, which we'll, we can talk about a little bit more in a second, Comedians are the last line of defense. If they can't make fun of this and have a satirical moment, a teachable satirical moment, because some people don't like watching the news. They gotta, they have to have a little twist of humor to it. Right. You need the daily shows because people are you need, you need the daily shows to break it down for you. Then you're not highlighting it. And so, you know, a lot of comedians have come out both for Bill Maher and for Kathy Griffin, saying, like, this is, this is the last straw. If we can't make fun of what's happening in the, with our country or what we're seeing happening in our world and our culture, then they're just as guilty as journalists not telling the truth. So when I, I think of Bill, um, I know I've been a fan of his for a long time, like, I've been watching real time shit for it might have been since the year it dropped. I want to say it might have been like oh four, oh five, something around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I lived in LA, I went to a bunch of tapings. Like I'm a just I'm a fan of what he tries to accomplish. So I feel like he gives a platform um, specifically to anybody, really. But he's the first introduction I've had to certain just black voices. I never heard of Michael Eric Dyson before the Bill Maher show, like real time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bunch of people who I've, you know, become fans of because of their direct exposure through that. And while I'm not going to say that what he did was right and I'm not justifying it, like I, I'm not as offended as most people. Cause in the context, he was kind of saying, I'm one too. <laughs> like I'm this person versus that's you guys. But he's yeah. always kind of pushed the culture in the sense where when you have these incidents that happen where he's like, yo, I'm not going to say the N-word. You called somebody a nigger and we're going to talk to you about it and why it's not okay. Like, I've heard him say that. So when you hear this and his joke just didn't land, I don't think that's worth his job. Me either. Like, I just don't. Like, I think that there's a certain part of where you were right where... As a comedian, you have a lot of liberties to say stuff that a lot of times the average person can't say. Um, I think Dave Chappelle made a skit uh, on one of those Netflix. I don't remember which Netflix um, episode it was, if it was like the first one or the second one. 
but he had like some little skit about abortion that people are apparently all up in arms about. And I think about why everything happens to have like this massive social response. Like I think certainly some shit, yo, you fight the power. If the president said that, like that's a different story. But why are we holding everybody up to the presidential standard except the president? True story. True story. And you know, what's funny is, you know, Bill Maher keeps himself a black girlfriend. He dated Superhead. Yeah. <laughs> like Bill Maher had the quintessential video model chick from like the 2000s on his arm for a good year and a half. His girlfriend right now is a tall black model. He keeps a nice chocolate lady on the arm. This was like one of those incidences where your black, where your white friend went out and made the joke. You were like, ah, you should have saved that for home. Babe. Right. <laughs> right. Like if he would have said that around the crib, like and we're all kicking it again. I ain't think nothing of it, but now you done outraged all of these people for nothing. But so that's where I wanted to kind of take this, the fake outrage. So fake. Like this is not the GOP's, you know, right wing conservatives chance to take down a liberal comedian. And Bill Maher really does consider himself like a libertarian he considers himself, you know, neutral ground. He has said all sorts of wild things about religion. But this just feels like a fake, a fake get back. Like a ha-ha, liberals, we're going to take one of yours. You took down our Bill Maher. I mean, uh, our, our Bill O'Reilly. We're taking down your Bill Maher. So, yeah, I think that's the key <laughs> it's like, you said. Not the same. Not the same. If anything would have took him down, it was his stance on Islam. Like, cause he says some shit where if I'm honest, it's, it's kind of incendiary while I get the perspective that he's coming from. He basically is just like, there's only one religion that causes all of these problems. We got to deal with that. And you're like, I get what you mean, but there's so much other stuff that's deeper than that. Like we certainly have like, a, you know, and we can call it Christian um, terrorism. The difference is it doesn't get branded as being Christian. But when you have yeah. like all of this white supremacy stuff, a lot of that stuff is like they justify it based on teachings from the Bible. Like they always have. But we don't like brand it the same way. Like, and so I think that's where he kind of gets in trouble. But even that hasn't even taken him down. So for this to be the thing, I'd be mad as shit. Just I think HBO up. did pull the cord too, which is crazy. Really? I think they did. I'm hoping that's wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that's wrong. Like if I'd have saw the alert come on my phone this morning, I probably would flip. And then like I would probably go and steal D. Ray McKesson's blue vest and say it's your fault. Um like I've seen a bunch of people kind of like stand up for him. But uh talking about fake outrage, um Kathy Griffin has like, you know, the bloody head of Donald Trump and everybody's up in arms. That was too far. It was. Like, you know, the, if this was North Korea, she, she would have been stoned to death for that. I mean, I know it is very hard to maintain a level of serious respect for 45 if you don't believe in his values and principles and actions. Um, but he is still supposed to be 
our leader and, you know, I know it is a lot of outrage for the things he does. That was just all out disrespectful. It wasn't funny. So do you think he kind of set the tone for this um, in some of his actions? I think we're going to continue to see people be persecuted for speaking out against him. And, and it's funny because he can speak out against other people and other brands and send them into chaos. But when, when it goes back in the opposite direction, um, you know, you're all of a sudden like starting a riot. So burning down the world. So. I think of Kathy Griffin. She's always been a comedian. I just don't see where that was funny. And again, like, I'm not a Donald Trump apologist. I'm not saying that the man is right. Like, I don't look at none of that. But when I really think about it, what was going through her mind to do that? Like, whose dumbass idea was that? I mean, it... it, (laughs) Whose dumbass idea was the Pepsi commercial? I mean, some people just don't think about editing, like, or showing it to people. Focus groups. I didn't think the Pepsi commercial was that bad. Um, like I to just, me, I, I just thought it was a commercial. Like I, I didn't think that deep about it. Like it didn't need to be, you know, it didn't need to tell me that Pepsi is going to be the thing that solves police on citizen violence and that stops everything. Like I, that's all I kind of got from it. Where they're like, yo, if you crack a Pepsi, anything's possible. We all know that that's bullshit. But like, I never really thought that deep about it. I think the Super Bowl commercials sort of started off the, these real serious, socially responsible ads from, from big corporations because brands don't know what to, what to do in, in, in this current climate. Like having to respond as Starbucks on, on a travel ban or as Uber as a travel ban, it's like business and politics are really having a hard time figuring out how to work with each other <laughs> and how to respond um, so that your your consumer base feels as if you're a good company or a good brand. And it's difficult to navigate those waters and decide, when do I want to say something? Like if Kathy Griffin had, had Donald Trump's head on a tray, right, with like an apple in it, and like she was like, like wouldn't that have been, probably would have gotten backlash but it wouldn't have been a bloody head, a bloody severed head. Too much. Too far. Yeah, I can't really defend her. Uh, I, I, I certainly think that 45 has set the, the discussion and not be, we don't have civil discourse anymore. Like, my man bullies everybody. So if it's from his weird handshakes that he gives to all of these world leaders to him pushing out uh, the chancellor of, I forgot, whatever country um, during his like foreign trip last week to, you know, all of the things he says about crooked Hillary on Twitter or how he attacks everybody. He certainly set a level of discourse or set us back in terms of civil discourse probably a long, long way. Like, I don't even think the next president, if I'm being honest, will get back to what the norms of what the office was. And I'll say probably politics in general. Um, 
we just need like aliens to come here and just get us all on the same page. <laughs> we need one big bad to fight against. <laughs> yeah, we need one big bad to unite us all. Be like, oh, okay. All this stuff is petty and doesn't matter. They're trying to take our water. Oh, wait, we already gave it away. Thanks, yep. Trump. Um, you're, you're right. There's definitely a renewed tension in general around the country. And uh, a lot of people are now emboldened to, to speak what they used to say behind closed doors. Right? And so... I do think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But I do think people are woke. I think more people now are probably watching the news than they have, you know, since we were, I was going to say in war, but we're always in war, aren't we? Um, yes, yeah, we always, we've been in perpetual war for Perpetual war for forever. Um, you know, I definitely feel a ramping up happening. Um, interesting times and I think all we can do as as African Americans in this country is try to um, continue to better ourselves and empower each other so you know in our lifetime right we used to tell people and the thing that we say all the time was like yo racism isn't really overt anymore it's the stuff that you can't see it's kind of hidden it's all underground and now it seems damn well that racism is alive and well. Like this whole post-racial, you know, messiah that we thought, or messiah is a terrible word. This, I need to think better. Uh, we thought that Barack Obama was going to lead us in a post-racial, like, you know, time period. And I'm not blaming him because it's not his fault. But we've certainly seen the backlash go way the other way. And it gets Donald Trump elected. Yeah. Um. How do we get back on the right trajectory where we're no longer worried about this stuff? Where, you know, comedians can make jokes. You can have Kathy Griffin be smart enough to make a joke. She can say how she hates Donald Trump all day long. Nobody's going to care. But you can't ratchet it up so much that you're like, you know what? I'm going to have a bloody head and I'm going to hold it in my hand. Like, that's, you know... Again, I, I don't want to see people lose their jobs for being stupid, but how can I protect you when you do something so stupid? Yeah, it was, it was just very, very egregious. But, you know, we've got between Tiger and LeBron. I, I can't imagine how anyone could ever say that that being black in America, whether you're full black or you two cents black, <laughs> um, doesn't come with its own experience. And that experience really forms and shapes the way that you look at the world and how you challenge the world. You know, I was reading about six that for somehow I was Googling and I got on uh, things black men should do when they get pulled over. And I'm like, why are there so many articles about this? You know why? Because it's an issue. I don't think anyone teaches you either all, all the appropriate things, but we shouldn't have to have some extra protocol when we see the flashing lights in the back of our, in our, in our rearview mirror, but we do. 
and it's real. I've been pulled over before with my brother and, and my good friend, and I was sitting in the passenger seat, and we were in my, I'd say maybe the next town over. And we got pulled over. My first reaction, because of me, um, is to put on lip gloss and perfume. I didn't realize what the other gentlemen in the vehicle were doing. My boy had, he has a, you know, a touch start car. So had dug into his pocket, got his car keys, threw them up on the dashboard, had turned on the interior lights, pulled out all of his stuff, had it like sitting out in the center console and had put his hands also on the dashboard. And I look over at him. I'm like, what are you doing? And then I looked in the back seat and my brother has his hands (laughs) on the roof and I was like holy shit guys the cop ends up walking over to my side of the car and my first response was good evening officer how can I help you today and he's like oh the light on your license plate is out and my boy was instantly like oh oh well I'm so sorry like I had no idea and here's all my paperwork. And the the cop kind of like gave him a little attitude. Like I didn't ask for your paperwork. And he's like, can I see your license? And I was like, my license? I would love for you to see my license because my license says Woodcliffe Lake, which is the town over. So this will wrap this little situation up quicker. He saw my license, didn't even look at his boys, at my boys, went on his merry way. Now that was a freak situation because obviously the cop should have gone to the driver but I was very upset thinking about the situation after the fact of I didn't know all those protocols and that as two black men, they knew right. the cops are coming. Put your hands up. Don't touch anything in your pocket. Don't make no sudden moves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I was like, whoa, guys, calm down. You know what it is? Because as a black woman, I didn't I wasn't told that I had to do all those things as a black man. They both were. Yeah, when I think about it, there's a lot of room for that where I was definitely taught that you don't make sudden movements. You make things as easy as possible for everybody to kind of be able to see what's going on. Like my window's a tenant, so I always roll my windows down well before. Yeah, drop your windows, turn the lights on. Right, and my my tent's legal and I still do it. So, And on that note, uh, this has been another episode of Real World. Uh, Shannon, I want to thank you again. Please feel free to find us at iTunes. We're on the SoundCloud store. We're at Google Play. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send us an email at therailworld at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to another episode. We'll see you next Wednesday. Peace.